Hey everybody, welcome to Bike Radio. What's up everybody, Josh Noggle, aka CX Noggin. <laughs> yes. I'm a mountain bike racer, cyclocross racer, road racer, gravel racer, a little bit of everything. Fellow coach at Evoke That Bike. If we've never met, I'm the co-founder and president of Evoke Bike. I've been coaching athletes since 2010. I've trained with power myself for over 150,000 miles. I think I'm most proud of nearly 100 Pro 1 podiums uh, just to show my consistency in the game and hunger to get better for myself and this community. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or follow and download episodes from Spotify. And if you really want to take your support to the next level, please click the support link at the bottom where a donation of even a couple dollars will help us pay for everything that keeps this free podcast going. Now off to the show. CX Noggin. What's up, dude? Oh, I'm double evoked. Damn it. I tried not to do that. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? I am, <clears throat> excuse me, packed up, ready to come back to the USA, guzzle some tap water. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah. so you drank water early on. I remember reading that you were, but you were fine, right? It was, uh, yeah, I think I was fine. I woke up in the morning. We got there really, the first day of travel was super long. It was from Fort Lauderdale to Atlanta, met Matt. Flew to Quito, switched in Quito, went through customs, flew to Guayaquil, got to the hotel at like midnight, 1 a.m., crashed, woke up, not crashed on the bike, went to sleep, woke up, was thinking, I'm thirsty. We boiled some water because we were making coffee. I filled up a water bottle. I chugged it. We made coffee. We went to breakfast, and then we saw bottles of water, and I was like, oh, no. Uh oh, and so I texted my brother-in-law, who's been over here, and my buddy who lives uh, everywhere. And I said, "Am I totally screwed?" And apparently, Pepto Bismol can like soak up toxins. And my brother-in-law was said, "Take two doses right now." So I went to the store. I'm like, "This is not how I want to start the trip." So I think I was fine. I mean, to be honest, and not to get too. Uh, weird with it like my gut has not been perfect uh it's been i don't think i had a stomach bug i think there's just like the food is just different here um a couple people got sick some people had one guy got a parasite one guy got a bacterial infection a lot of people were not having the most like solid poops i uh so yeah (laughs) That's the long and short of it. You know, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I'm excited to come back and, and not have to, I mean, cause then you, you know, you wash your bottles out and you're like, well, did I just put bacteria in my bottle? But you don't really have a choice. I mean, you could, I mean, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, 10, 11, 12, six liter jugs of water that we went through in the past. I don't know few days you know four guys fill up three bottles you come back you crush more water you make like apparently you use water for a lot of things in life and brush your teeth i'm tired of squirting water on my toothbrush and then brushing and i got this whole system down and then you put water in your mouth and then you brush with the toothbrush to get the toothpaste off the toothbrush (laughs) then you spit that out and what it's like oh my god you're in the shower i like keep my lips closed but i think you know it was actually very interesting today's ride. 
first day I felt good. And I heard from Owen shot that it's every thousand meters. So about 3000 feet that you change, you need 11 days. Today was day 11. And I woke up and I'm like, I'm going to go crush this 20 minute climb. I actually did pretty decent. I got top 10 and some of the guys that are on the top 10 didn't even ride the whole thing straight. They did, they like stopped somewhere. I was like, this is, that's embarrassing, <laughs> but <laughs> It's the guy who won the tour. It's his watts are silly, and I didn't want to look up how much he weighs. But anyways, the altitude plus the night before that we got dropped, and I won't spoil the whole episode that I'm going to do with Matt, but a lot of people were either not sleeping or I had my stomach was jacked. I thought I got really sick. It was the first time that I've been – I went to bed. It wasn't – the emotion wasn't worried it was, it was really weird because the hotel in Quito, we were five people in a room. Absolutely horrible. Five adult people with one bathroom. Granted, there was only one night. But of course, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking, man, my stomach. It felt under my rib. Something was really sore. And I thought, I'm like, did I hit it? Like, and it just, I didn't, I wasn't hungry. That was a weird sign. And that made me think maybe I had a parasite. I was like, maybe something's eating all the food or I guess then you would feel hungry. I don't know how that works. But the only time I've had a parasite, I was, I knew it. I was both ends. It was not good. So I went to bed thinking, am I going to be in the bathroom all night? And then I'm going to have to go do this bike race. Luckily, I fell asleep and I never woke up. Um, And then just didn't feel normal in the morning. And, you know. It's unfortunate, but I would have loved to see, and the reason I bring this up, I would have loved to try to see if I could have made it over that first climb with anybody that was in a group of some sort. It split into two, like, main groups, and then it was the gringos and a bunch of, like, bad, bad Ecuadorian riders, (laughs) and the race was over. So, but wait, hold on. I don't, and stop me here. If I'm like giving anything away from like a future episode you're going to do, no, yeah, yeah. but you mentioned this in the coach's call yesterday was that on that day when things went, you know, Horrible. bad. Yeah, yeah. You guys were going to attack. So, but it seems like, was there, there was confusion with where the there neutral ended was no. <laughs> okay. So we thought, I mean, Everybody was so shocked that we did anything. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like, man, these white dudes, maybe they can climb. Like, we don't really know. So I was envisioning, here's my vision. We start the race. It's like flat. We attack. We like come to the first climb. And like, maybe we get dropped. We are rolling up a climb at 8,500 feet. And I'm thinking, man, this is a pretty pretty stout neutral we're not going super easy i'm definitely pedaling this bike and we're climbing up a high, all these roads were high i mean it's through ecuador all these big highways so i think it was three lanes or something and it there was just a vibe that the race was about to start and but we're going i don't know nine miles an hour like we're not going fast and i wasn't i thought we were rolling down the road a little bit so all of a sudden I'm looking, I'm probably 40th, 50th position. I should go back and look and see how fast we're, this all happens so fast. It's like family guy when they fall, he, they go from standing to a flat in your face. I'm looking at the lead car. I'm like, it looks like the guy's about to, oh my God, is he about to wave? Are we about to start this race? And the flag goes down and it was just like gangbusters and 80 dudes just smash this climb. 
I'm oh, this is this is it's like if you've ever had a red alert in a race, <laughs> this was it. Matt was instantly shattered. And I remember I think it was Henry, who's the guy who fit one of the two guys who finished the race. He's like, dude, I think Matt, I think we lost Matt. I'm like, dude, if we lost him now, he's gone. Like, there's no coming back. Like, people you can't pace someone up this hill right now. And as he's saying, I'm like, dude, I might be next. Like, oh, this is hard. And the group split in two, and I can see a front group of just like 20 freaks like ripping down the road. I'm like, okay, well, maybe the second group isn't too bad. And honestly, I don't I didn't like block out. I just was like went really, really deep for as long as I could, and people just slowly rode away. And then there was a group of I don't even know, man. There was like six of us. And then I looked back and there was like shrapnel behind us. I'm like, okay, this is maybe we'll like all regroup. And it was just could never catch my breath and was just dying. And then finally they like they were gone and you couldn't see them. And I was like, oh my God, that was are we getting and then the caravan comes by. So we're like, we're gonna get in the caravan, we're gonna catch them. It was it was brutal, just never just couldn't stop panting and then it was your pit you're dying you're not even like pedaling that hard and we hit a downhill and i was like i give up i can't like i need to catch my breath so i like was like we were like we're on like 40 or 35 we're going fast on this downhill but if you were in a normal race you'd be like 54 11 pedaling your ass off and i was like i can't even pedal so that was super disappointing and then it just got worse and tune in to the next coffee break away because we'll talk all about it and it was there were it's gonna be a good episode because there are stories that happened 12 hours before that that it was just a very interesting 36 hours and it all happened so quickly and it was a lot of different emotions and you know it's tough to go from the high of like I broke out in tears when Matt won. I was so pumped for that dude. And I couldn't believe that we actually did it. And it was the hundred, it was the stage that literally he said to me when I first got him involved in this, Hey, I'm ready to like work for this team, whatever. I'm like, dude, we're all here to work together, but don't go in with the attitude of you're going to work for the team. Like you could maybe win something like going with that attitude that we are all going to be winners and we're going to try and win this stage. And I said, dude, 140, dude, 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 140 mile stage that's the one we were going for and it felt amazing to be in the break from the gun just it was such a long day and i knew when matt took off that if he could catch the next two the two guys up the road he would win and actually and if he got over the hill with them i didn't know who how good they would climb versus how he's not a very punchy guy and they climb very punchy and i said okay maybe somehow they get away i think he could still catch them on the flat but it's 140 miles. You never know. And that was all going down at mile 120. So anyways, when he got away, it was super awesome. And then, you know, it's just a few days later, stage race. It can be uh, it can be a doozy. It all started to turn on the bus. It was a long ride to Quito. It was, it's only three hours. I don't do well on buses. I don't know what it is. Even if I'm in a passenger seat, I, I get car sick really easily. That's why I always drive. And yeah, it was from when we got to the hotel until the next night, it was just like, 
man, this is not, this is, this sucks. Who's on the, who's in the bus? Is it the, like a bunch of like, or is it just your team? Our team, three random like nurses, like massage students or something that like went city to sit. They did, they were on our bus twice. I couldn't really figure that one out. Uh, and one time we had another team who was the team that actually ended up winning. They were this like local smaller team and just had this crazy climber and pulled off the dub. So that was people, nobody saw that coming. Did, um, so I, I, I stopped following the race on pro cycling stats after you guys got out. I was just like, yeah, but understandable. Yeah. But what I'm curious of is that the dudes who were like the local guys who were keeping up with you guys in the first couple of stages, did they end up doing well on the latter end? They finished. Okay. Yeah. I saw the guy with the green Jersey. He, <clears throat> he finished. We were battling, not even for the green Jersey. We were always in the break together. I was in the break the first three days. And then the fourth day, they wouldn't work with me, which really pissed me off. And it was the day that after the long stage, and then we had, it was kind of like a flat, the fourth stage was like a flat uphill rise. And the finish was you go over like maybe, I don't know, three, 4%. And then it is, a downhill into the finish and all I'm thinking is masters Nats. I'm, like, I'm going to wax these little dudes. If I can get in the break again, they would not work with me. And actually somebody came in and like, dude, what that, what's going on? I was like, dude, I get up the road. And they're like, no, no, no. And I was like, I said, what did I say to them? I said, uh, I was like, no vamos or something. And they're like, no muchacho. I was like, okay, got it. They, they so, knew they weren't going to help you. They knew that kid. Maybe, maybe they were. Yeah. If that was stage two and you were up there, maybe. Yeah, so we that but that guy in the green jersey, we battled. He was in the break with me when Matt took off. He had a very poor error in letting Matt ride away, obviously, because Matt won that day. And I don't know, we're not really friends. He he was pretty like whiny at times. Uh, you we would be in a group of five guys, right? And you would leave a little gap behind somebody, and we're going like 30 miles on the road, and he would like yell at you. And I was like, dude, you're an idiot. What just go ahead of me. You're so stupid. And then, I mean, it's impossible to be, you're riding for 140 miles. You were never always in someone's draft. There were plenty of times when he would leave a, like a bike lane. Like who cares? You're going 40 miles an hour down the road. Like you're going to catch him in 0.0 seconds. And I would just like laugh out loud just because I didn't really know what to say to him. I couldn't say anything. It was kind of cool. Nobody spoke English or very few people. Uh, and I, so I enjoyed that here, like trying to translate, tapping into my high school Spanish, did okay, could survive, would really like to get more dialed with that before another South American trip. But it was, yeah, it was a doozy. Volta Ecuador. What about, really about I wanted to do that. Did, did the other dudes, as the race went on those first couple, because you guys won what? the the How many stages in the first? First two. The first two, okay. Mm-hmm. But then it was the first, when, when did things change? What stage was that? Six, seven? No, no, no. Oh, what, no what? Five. We went five. to altitude at five. Gotcha. Yeah. Did the so team we did not race six, seven, or eight? Okay. And did the other local teams, like as the like those first four stages, did they start to give you like more and more respect? They're like, oh, these dudes are. We need to watch these guys. Hundred percent. And that that was actually one of my comments. In that, to some of the guys, you know, on stage four, three, four. Yeah, I think it was stage four. Movistar was chasing 
and then best PC, which is the only pro team that was there that was behind them. And then we would slot in behind them. And there would be guys that, you know, would ride up as singles. And I was like, get out of here, man. Just kind of like ride them off the road a little bit. Not really ride them off the road. What, what I learned was when we were at Tour Southland, there were times when you clearly had to move up. And so seeing that I needed to move up, I would move up by myself. And one time a guy looked at me and goes, man, what are you doing up here? I'm like, I'm moving up. And he's like, and I said, what are you doing? He goes, composition riding. And I was like, that's a very interesting comment. And Grant Koontz was always huge when we would have, when we went to like Joe Martin, ride together as a team. You know, you always see pro teams are riding together. They're moving up together. If you try and get up front by yourself, just as that guy did from the Skoda team in Tour New Zealand or Tour Southland, he was like, get out of here, man. And people just like, well, literally probably one guy basically tried to run me off the road. And I was like, what the frick? And now fast forward two years later, I'm doing some other punks because you don't want to give him that wheel. And then if he gets up there, then someone else comes up there. Then Joey Pants is coming up there. And you're like, dude, get out of here, Jose. Jose, Jose Pantalones. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so it was actually kind of cool. But so here's the thing. This race was supposed to be in November. There are a lot of Aborigines people here. And basically what has been explained to me, this is, I'm just repeating what I've heard. There's sort of a clash between this like reinvigoration of the Aborigines and then the normal Ecuadorian people. So in November, the Aborigines were like shutting down some of the roads and making them impassable. And finally the tour was like, we can't do the tour. So it moved to December. So usually there's a team, Medellin from Colombia. There's a couple other Colombian teams that come. Action was supposed to be here. I don't know if like Rally would come. Best PC was the only pro team. So I don't want to diminish what this team accomplished because it's amazing. But my, and that's not why I'm saying this comment, my perspective would have been very different, I think, when we were riding behind best PC if there was also, let's say, five other pro teams who were trying to do the same thing that we were trying to do, I would have loved to have that battle because let's say we get a W and we get the respect. Uh, you know, I enjoy that aspect of, of this. It's kind of both psychology and sociology of the Peloton when there is a pecking order. And I always loved Grant Coons because he, he would not take crap from anybody and it's kind of intimidating when you're rolling up and there's a squad of six dudes that are on a pro team and it's like, all right, guys, we're moving up. Well, let's go do this. I, I really loved how well we rode together as a team here, though, for being a bunch of random guys. And sometimes you just get if because here's the thing. If you're six guys and you say, all right, guys, we're going up there and two guys get kind of like a little nervous or something. And then there's just four of you and one guy loses a wheel. And now there's three of you that roll up. It's like, who the, get these three dipshits out of here. And now you look back, you're like, yo, where is it? Like, I just let us up here. And now there's only three of us. Like, where'd you guys go? We, when we were, Hey, let's roll up. We rolled up. We just mobbed the front and we just took over and we just pushed people out. I'm like, oh, this is our spot. And then, you know, you get a couple little stragglers. And then I was saying like to some guy, I'm like, where's your team? One guy be like, Hey, can I get in? I'm like, no. And he just go back. And finally, and this was this stage that this happened on. We were going down this road for, I don't know, man. It felt like forever. 40, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. It was a short stage. It was the transfer to Quito. 
And after that, that we were all like, man, that was pretty fun. We were just like telling people to get the hell out of here. So that was a good sort of, uh, you know, we felt pretty confident after that. And then 12 hours later, shrapnel. Well, so, but so in that you guys had the respect because you guys had the yellow Jersey at one point and you guys were winning stages, obviously. So you guys, but did the size, you, your size must've also helped, right? Like you do. Size were, definitely yeah. helps. Um, the only thing that people always think size, size does help, but at the same time, it is very tricky when someone small is kind of like up under your shoulder because I, it's harder to get low and like, get, get, like you're not trying to nudge the guy, but he just kind of gets in your pocket and can kind of, you know, maneuver around these lit. If anyone's ever picked up a size 61 bike and then picked up a 54, the maneuverability, I'm in a yacht and you are in a little speedboat. And there is a difference in how these puppies like, I mean, I get on someone's bike and I'm so jealous. It is just this little pocket rocket. Well, I take that back because I wasn't a spare bike and it was horrible. And it was Dude, all, all I'm thinking about right now is, you know, that scene from Fast and Furious where it's like they drive the car underneath the tractor trailer. Basically. I'm that. seeing these dudes with you just going underneath you. <laughs> I'm basically doing that. I was like, where did that guy just go to my fork? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of like sliding under my down tube. And yeah. Um, but so, yeah, you know, I think they gave the, the fact it was more that they were like, we don't expect you to be good, but you guys are winning. We can't figure this out. Hmm. And so, you know, but even though they respected, they still wrote, you know, this was their tour. So they wanted to get dubs and yeah, some crazy finishes. It wasn't the most professionally mapped out finish. I mean, they they screwed a couple of those up, which was we won one that they screwed up. Um, and that's kind of annoying, but it is what it is. So, but yeah, packed up, looking at my bags. It's weird. The only flight out of Keto is at 12.45 at night. So it's 4.30 p.m. My ride comes at 6, so I can bring my bike box. And then... The flight, I have to get a COVID test there, and the flight is not until 12.45. So I should be pretty whacked out tomorrow because that's just a weird bedtime. For sure. So yeah. I, haven't, I haven't flown. Is that like standard? Can you usually get the COVID test at the airport? I've never heard of this. Everybody's okay. been doing it in keto. So I actually tried to get one here in town today, and they're like, uh, you got to go to like Ibarra. I'm like, it's not a COVID test. I mean, this. This town was 30,000 people, but apparently no COVID tests. So just, it is what it is. And this bike box, I love that I bought this one from the UK, Bike Box Allen. No, and this is a product that I don't have a code for. They wouldn't give me one. They're like, oh, no, we're good with ambassadors. I'm like, this is a mistake, but okay. Um, Don't take the bars off. It takes... I was wiping the bike down. I wrote one for ride today. It was a little dirty. I, you know, I didn't just pack from, okay, I'm going to start this to the last latch was 20 minutes. And I was wiping things down. I wiped the wheels down. I wiped the frame down. I actually closed it and then realized, eh, I should probably take the frame back off, open back up. Da-da. So freaking easy. And now 
suppose you don't have to take the derailleur off. I still do because it kind of freaked me out. I'm like, this just looks so delicate and it takes two seconds to take it off. I wrapped up in the towel and then I just slid it in between the chain stays and uh, taped it to them. So this could be a life changer because I hate packing a bike. I hate flying with a bike. I really so, enjoy flying. But. So what else do you have to do? Uh, pedals are probably off. Seat post off? No. Oh, wow. just, I, I lowered it. You do have to lower it. In, okay. If you're not freakishly tall, though, you don't, even have to, you don't even have to lower it. In the video, they claim that you can do it in like five to ten minutes if you're a normal-sized human. So took the pedals off. I took the front wheel off, and I put it in, and there's two straps that you strap it in with. And the, the case opens for the people watching. It opens like it's got, it opens like, well, obviously like a clamshell, but it stays together at one side. So you're not piecing two pieces together. So it just nicely opens. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to set this wheel in here and I strap it in. And then you take the back wheel off and you put it in the bottom. You put a piece of foam over both sides. You, because I'm tall, I take the seat, I lower it. I lay it down. I take the rear derailleur off and I just put it into the uh, chain stays and then I set it in there and you close the box. Oh no, sorry. I set it in there. I put a couple straps around it. Uh, there's Velcro straps all over that are attached to the, to the frame of the box. And then I just grab the frame to see, they, they tell you not to put it super tight, like leave it a little loose because once it's compressed, it's good. So I just like, you know, give it a little like, move it around it seemed like it's it's not gonna fly there's really i don't even think you would need to strap it down to be honest with you um but then i close it and then i pick it up and then i shake the box and make sure nothing's rattling and good to go it rolls amazing it's got four casters on the bottom big handle weighs 23 pounds i know some other ones are really large so that's my big question here it did weigh 53 on the way there, they did not charge me extra because it's supposed to be only 50 pounds. But I took my frame bag off, which I think would be a pound-ish. I did not put anything else in the box this time. So we'll see how much it weighs. I really don't want to pay or I'm going to be pissed. Or I'm just going to like scrape off some plastic for next time. But yeah, so it was not a cheap box, but it's, yeah, it's money. Yeah, my question was going to be if you could fit anything else in there. And then also I wanted to, on the, the weight fit, thing, Yeah, I wanted to say the weight thing, when you go to drop off your bag, that's why it's always, you got to be very nice to the man or woman who's there. Because if it is a little bit over, I've had situations where she was like, okay, I'll let it go this one time. Mm-hmm. Just because I was like extremely nice. At least in my mind, I thought it, I want I feel like over. you would be a nice person anyways, but that just goes to show, be nice to people anyways. Yeah. Even if Tanya tries to charge you, it's like, well, you know what, Tanya, I do have this other bag that I'm checking that's only 30 pounds, so I'm really saving 20 pounds. Can we just pretend these were one bag? We do this. And then if she gets real snarky, then I'm going to have to be like, I don't know what I would do. I guess I would just pay. I'm trying to think what I could take out of there. I could make a scene and be like, okay, well, hold on. I'm just going to stand right here and unpack this big box for a second. So let me just take up a lot of room here, or we can just let it slide. And I guess I could take my seat post out and bring that on the plane with me. Yeah, you could. I don't know if that, I don't think you're going to be over. There's no way you're going to be over 50 now. I don't know. It's probably pretty close. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Pray for me. So we're doing that. And then getting back to the US, and I'm pretty, 
it was funny. Tom and put down after the race, rode a couple times, and it was you know here for another week. And he put down a couple intervals, and the altitude was just shredding me. I was like, man, I cannot even think about doing an interval right now. I'll get back to you on that when I get back or something. And then today was great. So every thousand meters, you need eleven days. Today was day ten. I went more than a thousand meters. So I don't know. We'll see. I've been sleeping like crazy. They say, I don't, I think that's altitude. Just it's it. It's like people that have chickens, you know, the sun goes down and they're like drunk. They just don't know what they just like go to bed because they're just out of it. It was like eight o'clock. I was like, okay, I gotta go to bed. And I would open a book and I'd read two pages and just think okay i'm gonna go i think i can fall asleep right now my head goes down and i would wake up at like 5 30 eight and a half hours just like clockwork every freaking time like man this is pretty awesome here i need to live at altitude all the time but you're also putting up once that's like you i'm sure you took a rest day haven't checked out your shrava but i'm saying you're you also you've been riding a lot they'll knock you out yeah yeah i did a thousand miles 56 hours in two weeks so it's a stout period of riding for sure um the thing that you really the two big things about altitude that i will have to make a note of or rewatch this when i go somewhere so you go to denver let's say less altitude i'm there and i'm thirsty and everybody walks around with water and it makes intuitive sense i'm going to lose more fluid drink more water here i'm at so this town is at 7,500. A lot of the rides, we went to 8,000. One ride, you can go to 11,000, which is brutal. But the first day, first couple of days, I was coming back with tons of water. I wasn't, th- I was the opposite of thirsty. I could ride and ride. And I think that's what it was part of, not in the race, but when I first got here and was riding and just wasn't feeling good, the altitude hit me. I think I was underhydrating. Number two, I never considered that you definitely need more gear here. It is steep. There are a lot of... Can you hear that noise in the background? Yeah, a little bit. Hang on a second. I'm like, guys, I'm doing a podcast down here. What are you doing living up there? Um, So usually in Blowing Rock, I can ride a 28 in the back, 39 up front. And even if I get to 10, 12%, I'm not doing 60 cadence. I'm still able to do around 70 here when you put on less Watts and it's just my, it was my muscles, not my breathing so much that were just messed up. Just it's a weird feeling. It was I, the way I would describe it is I could almost feel like my muscles didn't have oxygen, which I know makes no sense, but they just felt frail and I would try to push, and it was almost as if someone was holding onto my ankles and just trying to spin some watts or push some watts. I mean, it was it sucked. If if somebody asked me to do like a high torque workout, I wouldn't have been able to do it. There was no muscular strength at that altitude. And that's when today I started riding and I thought, I might go for this uh KOM and just try and put my name on the board. I'm gonna, I feel kind of normal right now. It was weird. Breathing felt good. Legs felt good. You uh, climb this silly, very steep thing five minutes into the ride, which is just the worst warm up for me. And and those are the things too that blasted me. 
couple times I'm riding out here with Forrest, and so he knows the roads. And I'm thinking we're going over a little lump, and it's a, I don't know, eight minute climb to start, and he's weighs much uh, less than I do. So I was just zapping myself early. So, anyways, the the water, the gear, and then also eating. I just was not. I'm like clockwork. This is. I was went back to. I needed to listen to like a cat four questions. I came home one day with so much food, and I thought, oh, no wonder I felt like crap the last hour and a half. I was so underfueled. It was, it was weird. There's not a ton of bike food here. Um, there's no maple syrup. Forget just that. Don't even think about that. I found one place, and it was so I can't remember how much it was. But okay, that's not even a ride's worth. I think it was like twelve dollars or something. So there's these sh- these fruit packets it's really sugar fruit pulp and a couple of things that are probably preserves like horrible would never eat this at home and it's 120 grams of carbs so i'm like well it's mostly sugar i guess i'm gonna smash these but they're so big it's in one packet so it's like a mega gel it's the size of my palm you'd bring two for a four-hour ride and it was just hard to gauge. And sometimes these, these descents, it since it's so steep going up, guess what? Going down, you need to be paying attention. There were a lot of photos and videos I would have loved to have taken, just would have been extremely unsafe. Like, could, yeah, could not have done it. Uh, I stopped for a few. The landscape is really beautiful, but it's, yeah, it's tough riding. It is, you would get real strong here for climbing. And I mean, even getting back to town, I full gas this climb today. I think I did 370 for 14 minutes. And that was the full climb. That's the easy one back. So if you're not full gas, I mean, it's a 20 minute climb to get back into town. And Forrest took me up the other one where he, he, we're riding back to the man. I'm really regretting this. I'm really regretting we're going this way. And I'm thinking this is going to be the worst climb. I'm like, how bad is this thing? It's steep, dude. And it, granted, the first part is steep, but after you get over that, it's not that bad. It's just kind of out in the open. And if it was hot, I could see it being bad. But he made it sound way worse than it was. But that's, I think it's uh, 800 to 1,000 feet back up. So it's just like, yeah, you're climbing. But it was cool, really good roads i'm curious to see how long the roads stay amazing here at all all this infrastructure happened from a former president that was really in the infrastructure he no longer lives here because of corruption and like left the country so raleigh made the comment that some of the roads are kind of getting worse than he saw when he was here three years ago i don't know if they'll keep him up the sponsor plot it's actually not even a sponsor but i'm trying to get them to be a sponsor I rode those WTB exposure thirties again. They are money for a place like this. Just um, cool. Uh, just real. The, the pavement. It's not always. It's not always pavement. It's these twelve sided blocks that got connected together. So it's not. Co- it's nothing like cobbles. It's like pavement patches almost. Let's say but you're going 40 miles an hour down them. And then you see a couple potholes and it gets, you know, gets a little dirt and whatever. Uh, the road goes away for a little bit. So those were really good for here. Really liked them. And did you race those I, as well? I did. Nice. 
I think it's the fastest tire that people haven't ridden yet. It's, did, uh, I was going to did anybody get any flats? Anybody on your team? There were flats. I didn't. Yeah. But actually, I had a flat the other day on the way home. I got a staple in my tire. So I was like, eh. So to be fair, Tubeless might have taken care of that. I, I'm happy. You know, I know people love to give me crap. Uh, but hold on. Let's be real here. If you were Tubeless and something went wrong and you're in Ecuador, that's just even that crazy amplifies the situation. Uh, you would be putting tubes in. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess you got a tube with you. I was thinking you didn't have a tube, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you'd have to put tubes in. I mean, I think so people did flat. Yeah, it's one of the DS had said, I mean, I had the electronical. I'm stupid, did not charge my bike. I'm so pissed about that. I got over it. I'm I shouldn't say I'm so pissed. I just such a dumb ass. Dude, it's out of it's very out of character for you. You know what it was? I the bike was right there. The charger was somewhere. I think we were about to leave. And I thought, should I charge this bike? And, you know, I don't know why I didn't. I, if it was a training ride, I would have charged it. It surprises me, man. Like, I feel like I my battery always dies. But when I go to Green Mountain, I just charge it. Because I'm like, I don't want this to happen now. Yeah. You know, I think it was just in the, there were so many little things going on. that no, for sure. I just let it go. And. I thought for sure. I mean, there was a huge, there were four notes. So I'm like, I got one more ride out of this thing. It was a hundred mile stage. I thought for sure there was a hundred miles in that. There were four notes. So this is more like me. There were four notifications at 4 p.m., 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 7 p.m. the next day that all said, charge the bike, charge the bike, make sure you charge the bike, charge the bike. Matt had to charge his bike. So yeah, when it died in the race, I. <laughs> Just couldn't believe it. Could not believe that. But, you know, I, the only thing that sucks is that I wasn't there to help Henry. Um, actually, no, Henry got away. So the only thing that sucks is that I wasn't there at the finish to try and help the team in some other way. But, you know, things happen for a reason. We went through some cra- – that was a crazy town finish. Maybe I would have crashed or something. I don't know. Matt was like, I think you would have, you had a, you had a chance to win that one. I was like, dude, don't tell me that. And I, I didn't. It was that's definitely not a finish for me. So, but what what about do you do you guys think you'll be back next year? I don't know if you can say that or if you know or. Um, I don't know if I would come back. I think I would look for another race. I think I. You know, my time of being able to do these types of races is short. And so next year I'm going to Slovenia in the fall. So that's a big trip to do Andy's Grand Fondo. It's Latap with Latap. So big with like Tour de France. That was weird. I went between St. France and France. And I would love the, so a couple of things that I would ask of future races. There were some crazy speed bumps here that were like just blocks of pavement that weren't bad but other people have talked about other races and they said oh man if you thought those were funky you should go to x y and z race so i i've other people were talking about other international races and how the roads they said much worse than this i'm out that's just not my skill set i don't have fun doing that i got detached from i was in the break and got detached from the break a couple times because we were going 40 miles an hour and i could see this huge it's not a speed bump always. 
so some of these had jagged edges. I did, I think I talked about in the other podcast, I did my first endo because I went to hop over it, which was not really the move to do, but they're not all the same size and whatever. And back tire caught it and just popped up. And, you know, I think I'm probably, I was probably running 70 PSI, 75. I maybe should have been running 65 on those days for sure. Then the other thing, another racer had talked about a different stage race they did. He said every stage had a five hour transfer in the bus. Okay, so I'm not doing that. So find out about road conditions, find out about transfers. I won't, people probably already heard the rain on day five was very cold. That's why we got eliminated. And when I went to tour Southland, there was one day where I was 40 miles into the 85 mile road race. And I thought, I just want to get in a car and I just can't wait till I get to the finish. And at this point of my life, I'm doing these for experience to continue to try to become a better bike racer, to push myself, to try and be part of a team that wins something big. But I'm really over the hard ass. I'm going to fight the weather also. Like I want it to be performance-based and, there's definitely going to be some people listening to this and like, that's part of racing. Yeah, I'm good with that, though. I, I, you know, I've said it a million times. Rochester just broke me. Just how many years of horrible weather, horrible base miles, horrible spring racing. I'm good. I mean, I went to, I went to Crossman's Classic with my teammate Jack last year and left at the start line. We were about to start, and I was ready to do it. And I said, okay, we're delayed 10 more minutes. And I stood there freezing cold i looked around like we look like a bunch of idiots i said hey jack how pissed are you gonna be if i leave he goes that's probably a smart move i said cool i'm out of here and i rolled in the car i got a bunch of messages like did you did you actually leave i was like oh yeah i got my car and left I'm like <laughs> that was the worst race i ever did i said that's why i left i just can't i've i've had too many of those worst races and this is actually this story is actually going to relate to what we talk about in the next coffee breakaway with matt and it's a good story. It's a good story. It's a good cycling journey story. I'm super pumped. This guy's my teammate. He's so 10 years younger than me. Similar riding type. Really nice person. I think that this team is going to be really good for him. I think he's going to do some really awesome things. So, yeah. So, those are my, so to answer your question, probably not. What about what's the next race for the team? Well, this team was a composite team, okay. so it wasn't really the team. It so what, this is the, this isn't this isn't the Velobro, which just had some Velobro guys. Exactly. Yeah. So when Owen called me about the team, and I said yes, and then he had brought up Matt a few like I don't know five days later. He messaged me. He goes, "Yo, do you know this guy?" I said, "Yeah, I know this guy. I race him all the time." He's like, what do you think about him? I'm like, yeah, I, like, I don't really know him, but he seems like a nice person. And we've chatted a couple of times. Matt had called me. We were chatting on Instagram two years ago, maybe. I don't know. I, I was living in Memphis and he was just asking me like, hey, seems like you, you know, you've raced a ton. You're like, you know, you're doing this evoke thing. And I'm just trying to figure out my path a little bit. And I told him for road stuff, hey, do the biggest, hardest races that you can do. Still go to your local races and get the Ws, but always be looking for the bigger pond. And so when Owen 
reached out about Matt. Matt eventually decided to join Velo Brew. When we were when I got asked to do this Ecuadorian race, there was another slot open that they hadn't filled. And I said, "Hey, do you guys mind if I look around for somebody?" So I immediately asked Owen, uh, just as a like, Owen's my man, and I know he likes to do big races, and he wasn't able to do it. And I think Matt was the next person I asked. I said, "Hey, dude, you said you want to do big races. Here's the UCI race. You want to go?" And he he figured it out, and um, it's kind of a, just a funny story of this. Really, I have a good a good photo I'll post to Instagram, but really it all started with him saying, so what do you, what should my, like, how do I, what do I figure out as a cat? I think it was a cat two at that point, or maybe a cat three. Like, like what, what do I do? Where's, where do I go with this? You know? And I said, well, what do you want it to become? He's like, I don't know. I just want to keep getting better. And I really seem to like this. And that's why I said, just keep doing hard races. Don't only get beat down, but search out things that are going to push yourself. So, and that's another reason too, why I wish, you know, I wish the competition had been even stiffer. It was, you know, it was what it was, but I will say this, and that will be the easiest UCI race. I think anybody will do just because of the, the, when it gets rescheduled and it's the COVID year and whatever, and there's just, you know, people are dying to win, but, as a composite team at a real big UCI race, we wouldn't have been able to push around as much as we did. And I don't want to take away, but I want to be totally transparent about how I feel about it. And then Matt's win would have, you know, been harder, been even bigger, but I think it's a great stepping stone to the next thing that he does. And so, yeah. You know what, dude, to be fair here also, I'm saying on that same note, the team might have done just as well. You don't know. I'm saying like, I get what you're saying. Oh no, I think we were no, but I think I like a challenge. And I I'm I'm not trying to say this in a native way. I'm saying that if we then had done that and like action had been here and few then I was like, dude, whoa, you know, nobody knows who best PC is. They're a great team, but I would have loved to have seen, yeah, sorry if that came off the wrong way. I would have loved to have stuck it to guys that I like reading about, you yeah. know, like Guys, I, I, I mean, think of, and it's scary to think of what if a rally came, you know, pro Conti, big boss team, it's a different beast. And, you know, there's not really the UHC, uh, UHC back in the day when it was NRC, they would show up and just, when they weren't there, it was hard when they were there and no, it was not like Legion UHC back in the day would probably mop them off the floor it was insane they're like world tour guys now just boy van popple was this young young buck it's like oh he won again and oh then they went second third and fourth interesting killed do you think uh we talked about the altitude 10 before you went do you think you would do that next time or do that maybe not for the i'm saying in races in general do you think that would be helpful man, I want to make my condo at 10,000 feet, <laughs> but I've heard that it's very noisy and it probably would not be possible to do for a condo. Someone did a room and they said that it was extremely loud and hard to sleep. Chris ain't going for that. So, you know, I thought about the altitude 10 years ago and no, no one was huge on it. I'm sure that it's very helpful. What I think is more helpful is right now I'm sitting at 7,500 feet. 
go lift weights. You get to five or six reps of like, whoa, okay, I feel that a little bit. I think living at it, you know, I, I would consider, I actually have thought about this. So across the street from our house in North Carolina, we bought a plot and you could maybe build a small house, but we were like, oh man, that'd be kind of cool. If we had like a yoga room or a sauna or whatever. Now I'm like altitude room, just go over there and do work and hang out and just be at 10,000 feet and then go train at 4,500 feet and then come to sea level and destroy people. So that's actually what I'm really looking forward to. I'm like pretty tired today. And so I'm going to take Wednesday off. I really want to just see what riding is going to be like when I go home, if, if I'm going to feel a difference or not. Is this going to be KOM season number two? <laughs> Definitely not. In Florida, you cannot get KOMs unless you're on a TT bike with like five other dudes on TT bikes. That's why that group ride is so fast. Yeah. I attacked. This guy comes around me in the beginning. And I'm starting to like ramp it up a little bit. And he comes around on a TT bike. And I will say, this is the only ride that I've been on where TT bikes, they, these guys like know how to ride a TT bike. And so he's pulling into this, like the only little kicker of all day. I'm like, this is a mistake, bro. You should probably pull off. This is a mistake. This is... So he pulls off. And I just gas it. And I'm laughing to myself. I'm like, this guy is going off the back. And then I actually thought to myself, none of those TT bikes are going to make it up this little like riser and i look back and there's one road bike and four tt bikes with me these guys are so crafty that they just get in your slipstream and they are motoring and when they pull we're going 35 and just hauling ass and so you know i'm open to to publicly getting crushed we there's a there's a sprint line and uh shout out um to uh victor from B&J Cycles, my boy down there, he saw me take it last time. And so he's like, Brandon. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, yeah, he's like, let me know. Like, I'm going to take this thing. And there was another guy that was there that was pretty fast. I'm like, I don't know if I want to like, where, when do I launch this thing? I'm like, you know, I'm going to wait till he pulls and I'm going to come smoking around him. And it was a little kind of far out, but I, I thought, eh, I think I can make it. And so this dude takes a pull that I did not want to sprint against. I'm like, I'm just going for it. So I launch off. Uh, it's one of those moves where you're just like you're in the right gear. You feel like you're motoring. And I'm like, dude, I totally got it. And I can see this pair. Of, I like look down and I'm like, damn, there's a dude right on my ass. And it's a pair of blue shoes. I'm like, there's no way that's Victor because he's on a TT bike. And lo and behold, we are, I'm bad with meters. We are five seconds from the finish line. And I hear, and a TT bike comes flying past me, sp- out sprinting me to the very end of the finish line. And I'm like, dear God, I'm not about to lose a sprint. <laughs> totally lost it. We got to the, we get to the stoplight and I look back at Jimmy Sherman. I'm like, just for the record, I just got out sprinted by a TT bike. And like two people of me are like, don't feel bad. It happens. These guys just, they get in your draft and the momentum you, you can't win. Like they go 40 and I don't know. I just, it was a bad, it was a, it was bad. <sighs> That's pretty insane, man. I I'm surprised. I, I was expecting the story to go in a completely different direction and you're going to make these dudes just ride away from us. But if they're sprinting, no, no. that's insane. I've never seen it's that. A, dude, neither did I. And that's why I, I didn't even, when we went to the sprint line, I wasn't even thinking of these guys. Yeah, no, it's uh, even Tom had said, this is the craziest group ride. It's the exact opposite of sprint and coast. It's 
go low VO2 and then tempo plus. I mean, I'm behind these guys going like 360, 370 sometimes. It's 50 minutes out and then about 50 minutes back. If you're tired, you're not making that lead group, I don't think. I've, I would be surprised. That's the one. So, yeah, I mean, well, I'm going to bring that up. But, yeah, there are people there that are good cyclists that they take a pull at the wrong time. The line just comes flying past you. Yeah. I mean, it's never not motoring. It's pretty – it's almost kind of like motor pacing. So, yeah. Do you know, I just realized we forgot to do the chapters. Uh, yep. Yep. I, I, don't worry. I'll get it. I'll go back and get it. Don't worry. Uh, don't do that. No, it's cool. I don't want people, otherwise we're going to get complaints. <laughs> now, we're just, now we're just scared of everybody. I'm like, can you, can you, can you hear that little, did a leaf, shoot, a leaf just fell. Do you think people are going to be pissed about oh, that? Man. Now someone, now someone, they're going to message in with some other comments. Like, Oh, what can we get these guys like, to do now? Uh, uh, Brendan, we heard you playing with change in your pocket, which I've been doing the whole podcast. Have so you heard that? A lot of coins here, dude, you drop a couple coins out, out of your pocket. It could be like $25. It's a lot of dollar coins, a lot of 50 cent pieces. I'm actually going to keep one for a stupid reason. Then I'll, Maybe I'll spend it somewhere. Yeah, get a change purse if you're coming to South America. So do you like weigh yourself down going on these climbs? Maybe that was my problem. That's dude, that's what it was right there. So no, I wanted to ask you, bag. you, you had said the the changing, maybe altering your gears a little bit, different cassette or, or, or mm-hmm. cranks or something. Would you... Not cranks, cassette. Yeah, yeah, cassette, yeah. But I was thinking, would you do chain rings? I guess I wasn't... Would, mm-hmm. you, do, would you go not standard? I mean, that would be smarter. You yeah. know, the guys who have, what did Matt have? Matt had a, I want to say like a 37, 33. Is that a SRAM thing? Oh, SRAM for the, t- oh, for the cassette? Uh, no, he, 37 up front. Oh, oh, oh yeah. He, he must like be on t- Axis. Yeah. Is that the new thing? Yeah, that's the 12 speed. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was a 10 to 33 cassette. So he's faster than me and can spin. I mean, it's a good thing that I like high torque or I would have been a very sad camper here this past week. There was a lot of, I mean, I think my average cadence for the ride was 72 because you're climbing at high 60s and then you're dead at the top and you're at 8,500 feet and you're not pedaling. And I will say 11,000. I went up to it yesterday, just going up there and riding around when I came down. So I rode from 8,000 to eleven. And came down. So I think it took an hour, 15 minutes, maybe, give or take. Flying back, dude. When you're, have you ridden up there on a road bike? Not, no. You go slicing, there's no wind. Like you were just like, Meow! it was, the road was pretty straight and it was a perfect, you know, five, 6% going down. And uh, the only thing I would, I wouldn't fully go, I actually didn't look at my speedometer. I think I was mid fifties, but I was actually starting to like break a little bit because you get a cow that like plops out on the road and you get a car that they don't, they're not thinking about you here and the cars aren't fat. Like you're not going to get a, uh, you know, something that can zip out of your way. So, and the road can change quickly. So after having flown off my bike the week before I left here, I thought, you know what? As fun as this is, I'm not a thrill seeker. So I, it was actually surprising me that it was so fun to go that fast. It was because you you barely get going and you're just like, like I can't even explain it. It was really cool. But 
I figured safety was better. Didn't want to end up in a hospital. So the come back down and then your muscles just feel like crap. Maybe it's just because I'm not used to it. Maybe it's because I'm a baby. Maybe it's because I finally, I think I acclimated a little bit more, but going that high just for an hour made the rest of the ride pretty tough. So that was also the day though, that I wasn't drinking as much. So I don't know, maybe just a little dehydrated and I'm so regimented with that uh, normally, but yeah, climbing up and crazy, crazy riding experience. That's for sure. What about the, did the other guys on the team, did they have similar experiences? I'm sure they all probably had different ends of the spectrum there. Um, two of the guys, and we'll talk about this in the coffee breakaway. Two of the guys live at 8,500. So 10,000 of them wasn't really a big deal. They were actually laughing because when we were at, what were we at? I'm trying to quiet. We were at sea level. And when we first got here, just did not feel great. And it felt kind of like, not smoggy, but it was Matt and I both said, this is weird. It's kind of hard to breathe here. And the guy from 8,500 was saying, this is amazing. There's so much oxygen here. So they had no problem with it. Uh, Jean-Michel, who's a phenomenal cyclist, who was one of the other guys that finished, lives in Canada. He does not live at altitude. He's just a badass. So he did well. He has, he used to use a tent or had used a tent, but I don't think for this race. Um, So, you know, I think another part of it too is, you know, I got good at riding at 5,000, 4,500, 5,000 at Blowing Rock. And part of it was just knowing how your body feels within that atmosphere. So I think if I would ride at altitude for a period of time, train like just get to know how it feels more i think that's what today was i knew what the sensations of the body i knew what to expect i knew what okay if i go at 400 watts around that corner what's it going to feel like after that before i was just blindly following people you know i'd follow forest i'm like then i'm dead and um yeah i learned a lot of a lot, lot of little things you know just it's weird when you're not, when I ride as much as I ride and then I feel a little bit like a fish out of the water on a bike. It's, well, this is kind of, this is a weird feeling. You get two and a half hours into a ride and I'm thinking, man, I'm getting pretty tired. I, I came home early one day. We were, and I actually think it was because we were doing loops. We got to this park and I definitely ride. I have different ride preferences than some of the guys that the choice was we went on like a busy road, got to this park and we're going to be there for two hours. It's like a three mile loop. I thought it was going to be a long day. And I just was really honestly tired of pace line. And we were pace line. I'm like, I'm good. I need like, you guys just go ride. I just got to like not do that. And I never pace line with people at home. So I think it was just from a race, the rate, like race brain. And, uh, and that day I just got super tired and just thought, I don't, this, I'm going to go back go back early so to your question earlier excuse me i really i had a rest day after the race and that was i think the only one um took it easy a couple days and you know there wasn't much intensity so it was five days of racing day off chill day 
and then just started doing my normal like four hour rides, but didn't do anything hard. Just couldn't until today went and cranked out two efforts. And so it was pretty good, but lowered my FTP big time while I was at altitude. There's a chart that we put in the discord. I think it was like to 78% of your FTP when you're not acclimated at 8,000 feet. So when you have a big FTP, you lose a lot. And that's the other thing I learned lose all that FTP, but I still weigh the same. That sucks. I became more cat two ish. Now, when you go back, you're taking, you're taking tomorrow off today's Tuesday. What are you going to do? Are you going to go right back into training? Or are you going to take a little time to chill? I'm going to, I'm actually, uh, yeah, I was going to say it earlier. I'm curious to see what Tom thinks. Um, normally I would just, I think I'm going to finish out this week, just ride, no intervals, no intensity, just cruise. I'm tired. Excuse me. As you can tell, as I'm yeah. like, oh, it's five o'clock. It's time for bed. Oh, wait, I got to go to the airport and fly for 20 hours. No, it's actually not a bad flight. It's like seven. Dude, I got a freaking first class upgrade for the equivalent of $170. And I got upgraded for free from Atlanta to Quito. And so I was, che- and that happened maybe five days before I left. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. I do use a Delta credit card. I think it's totally worth it. Um, but anyways, so I'm looking at my thing. I'm like, man, I really hope I get this on the way home. It's been overnight flight. I'm thinking everybody else who's in my shoes is thinking the same exact thing. And every once in a while, they offer you a deal on the app. And I was like, hey, you could buy this for 200 bucks or use points. And it's like, 17,000 points take off two zeros, like 170 bucks. I was like, sold. I mean, it's a $1,200 ticket one way. It would have been 2,400 bucks both ways. So I say that and that if anyone's traveling, you need to get a Delta credit card. But um, also because, oh, to resume training. So I'm going to hopefully sleep. I don't know. First class should be much better than not first class. And the problem is it's only six hours and I'm going to want to eat the food when I get on the plane. So they're going to feed me at like 1am. This is going to be weird, right? Like eating at one and get to Atlanta at seven. And then I leave Atlanta at 10 and I get to Florida at noon. So I should be totally effed by then. Um, so I'll sleep that day a little bit. And then I don't know if I'll ride Thursday. Maybe, maybe I'll take Thursday off. But what I really want to do is hit the reset button and I'm allowing myself. This was a lot of, and this could actually be a podcast itself. The run up was a lot of mental, like I just had done three 20 plus hour weeks for massive base. And then we had to shift into kind of like race mode and then get ready. And then it was the packing, just all the little things that came into this trip and then doing the trip and being gone for two weeks and now going back. I'm so sick of looking at a suitcase that I think I'll be really lenient with myself in, I want to have like January and February. I would maybe race in February if I'm super hungry for it, but if I'm not, I'm still going to do mostly base stuff. And, you know, I do base a little differently uh, than I had before. Even, you know, it's hard when I put out the five blocks to racing, I want it more on the conservative side than not because you're not monitoring anyone, but I still let athletes go out and do a group ride or do a couple sprint workouts or do some, you know, maximal hill efforts, or I think that's still good to do. And that's actually stuff that we talked about in other podcasts where 
when I was coming up and everyone was saying, oh, we're doing bass, we're doing bass, we're doing all these fixed gears. There were definitely one, two, three minute full gas efforts every couple of weeks on these climbs we would do on the group ride, which was strict based. Like you were not getting on the front and doing any shenanigans. These OGs would like throw you off the ride, but we get to climb and there were a couple of climbs that people would just gas it. I'm like, well, this is really base of these. And everyone's like, well, we're on fixed gears. You have no choice. If you don't, you're going to fall over. So it was like a high torque max effort. It was just, a, it was amazing. It was so fun. But uh, so, yeah, I think to answer the question, go back, chill. Christmas is in freaking three days. I mean, it's been nuts. I'm like, my sister's like, sweet. What are we getting mom and dad? I'm like, why are you guys talking about Christmas? Oh my God. Christmas is the next week. Damn. I'm totally not in normal zone. So go back, do that. Really super pumped to see Chris spend time together. It's been a while since we've chilled, obviously uh and get ready for the new year i mean 2022 is here and i think do a block of volume and easy riding during the week with maybe a group ride on the weekend because it's more like an over under and i'm really enjoying meeting people down in florida um i don't have many friends down there so it's kind of that's when I'm more lenient with people about doing when I ask them, why do you want to do this group ride? And sometimes I'm like, Hey, I just need, like, I need to meet some people. I just moved here. I want to be social. Cool. Go do it. I have an athlete actually that is down a different part of Florida that the first comment I said, Hey, you can go to this ride whenever you want. I just want to let you know that I think this is garbage training, but it, this all has to fit in your life. If this is a fun ride to go do, go do it. We can work on other stuff the other part of the week. But if you are asking me, am I training as optimally as possible? The answer is no. And that's just, uh, you know, I made a podcast, but I'm not going to tell people just what they want to hear because then when things don't turn out exactly as they hope, you can't go back and say, Hey man, we've been doing this freaking group ride that I've been allowing you to do week after week. Whereas as long as I'm up front with them and say, Hey, this one ride, it was like 55% coasting, barely, no real hard effort. It was just like not good. Um, this other ride, though, super fast. It's kind of racy. If I only do it sparingly, I don't know if I would do it every week. I would maybe do it every other week. But I need to be careful because I know Jimmy Sherman loves to do this ride and I really like riding with him. So I, I'm going to have to maybe like put up the stiff arm, but we'll see. Yeah, but dude, I, th- I think taking a little bit, you, which you are, but take some of your own advice there. It's like, you obviously like, you just said you want to meet some dudes, have a good time. Like, I think you, that fits in, you know? Yeah, I think it fits in. I think maybe the nice thing that I did before I left for this race was I rode out with them. So it was like 50 minutes fast. And then I just rode back by myself. And that's actually maybe the middle ground of, and you know, you don't need to go out and attack everybody and like try to beat you could you could rotate in the back and just chill and just be a chill day. So that's a good that. that's a really good point, dude. I, I I haven't talked to athletes about that, but that's good. Like, hey man, like go do is is the front part of the, the group ride spicy and that's what you want to do, do that and then chill. And you know, ride mm-hmm. home by yourself. A lot of my rides, you know, when we had training races in March in rochester were ride to the training race do it and then ride home it's a great long ride it's tough it's hard it's but it's not like you're doing a three-hour road race it was an hour and a half of hard and there are days you could go full send and try and win there are days where it's hard i I don't usually i i actually never 
this is actually a bad thing for me to say because I'm actually never telling out to do this. When it's like, well, just go sit in. It's like, dude, if you're going to go, go rip it. Um, but is it short? Is it long? How hard? Like, if you're going to go do a six-hour gravel race, that's going to be a death march. It's going to be really hard the whole time. I mean, if you sit in, you're going to be dropped. And then that's not fun. So I think if someone's listening to this and they're thinking of like, oh, well, maybe I will try that. Just make sure you're honest with yourself what you're actually going to do on that ride. And why go to the group ride if you're going to just get dropped and that's not, that's not a good use of time. So, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to the weather. I want to get back in the sun. I might take Christmas off and go to the beach. I don't know if I see that happening. That's probably a lie, but I still dude. We've been so busy doing evoke stuff, plan all the stuff that I'm trying to think of when I moved down there, I have not put my feet on the beach yet. And Patrick is like, are you at the beach? I'm like, dude, no, I, just, I haven't even gone. Dude, so one, I need you to do me a personal favor. I need you to go to the beach on Christmas. I might do it. We'll see. You should. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of good evoke things happening. Can't believe it's almost going to be the end of year three. It is so exciting. I get so amped reading the Discord. I get, yeah. I just had an athlete in Colorado that has moved out there that is hitting with some of the hitters and he's not even cat one yet and i'm he he actually amped me up. i was reading his files this morning before i left for the ride it's like maybe it was with coffee it's like six o'clock and i was like you are getting me so pumped up right now and i was like okay i'm gonna go crush his climb because x y and z is doing it and uh yeah he's just sam it's sam actually i think you might know sam yeah you don't know sam yeah, yeah. Sam. you know sam <laughs> So, yeah, if anyone's listening, you're not on the Discord, you're missing out. Not to be that guy. It's like, you're missing out, but you really are. So, well, dude, I got to go. Yeah, no, do your thing. I, did, I, I, had, I only had one topic to talk about, but I think this might be more of a Discord topic. Pants for cyclists. What is it? Which what is, is I know you're mean? like, what are you, what are you talking about? I say like, dude, I, I don't have like crazy big legs, but I have issues with pants. I've done like a deep dive and trying to find myself a new pair of pants. <sighs> what? Dude, you're, what you're, what are you, you're trying to wear like super tight skinny jeans. No, That's bro. <laughs> I'm saying I want stylish, good pants. So what's the, what's the problem? Are you saying like, yo, my quads are so big pants don't fit no, me? No, my you God. Are- See, I knew you were going to call me out there, but I'm saying, I think cyclists, <laughs> cyclists do have an issue with pants fitting the, how like normal pants. What pants? What pants? Oh my God. All right. No, hold on. We're, hold cutting, on, hold this on. Pa- we're cutting this part out. <laughs> do not cut this out. I'm going to do not cut this out. What, what part of the pants are you talking about? Okay. Yes. Maybe it would be the quad. I'm saying usually it's like the waist. Usually the right, waist is either too big or too up. small. Go ahead. I mean, no, I have pretty big legs. I've never had this problem. Okay. Uh, AG jeans, or I'm trying to remember what the AG stands for. They have a pant called the graduate. I have like two pairs of those. They're nice. They look trim. They're not like stuck down to your quads. I want to say they're maybe a hundred bucks, maybe, maybe 150. I don't know. It's a nice pair of pants. though. I was like, they're so comfortable, but I've never had that problem. Do I not have big legs? I feel like I have pretty big legs. See, the issue I have, though, uh, let me elaborate here. I have a specific brand that I'm trying to make work, and, like, they aren't working. They're, like, they're called skinny boys. 
<laughs> yes. What, what are they called? Jinko came out with a new gene, and they're called the Skinny Boys. <laughs> the the anti Jinko. Oh my god! I'm so glad you brought that up. Um. Yeah, I've got like Ecuadorian cyclists in my Jinko genes. What? What? What brand of gene are you talking about? It's I'm a br- so curious. About they're called this. the brand's called Outlier, dude. And they're like amazing pants. They're made in New York City. It's awesome. But the skinny, see, they make slim pants, which are too slim. And then they make their regular pants, which are too big. I'm like right in the middle. Right. Yeah. Regular pants. So then maybe their slim is more skinny and I'm not trying to be a D, but yeah, I mean, I've put on some pants for sure. Like I got into like a little Levi's kick. They had some cool, like gray charcoals a couple years back and bought a pair that was just like, I don't order clothes online because I'm a very, I want if I try something on and I'm not in love with it, I'm not buying it. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that just don't fit my body great. But anyway, I got this pair of jeans, like, oh, these are dope. And so I was trying different ones on. And I remember I tried on these pair. I was like, well, maybe they could be, I was looking at these and like, they could be a little bit skinnier. And so I can't remember what the model number was. I don't think it was called skinny jean, but I got it. And it was so tight. I'm like, who is where, how is it? my, what? And so it was what? you were dealing with with these genes so i think i ended up on i can't remember what the uh model was but oh man yeah so pants though i think are can be tricky i guess i agree with you now that i think because i have tried now it all and, comes around yep yep do you know what it is do you know what it is i think that i think in my brain I've gone back to this brand so many times that I have, cause I've just forgotten about that, like weird fitting thing. Um, there's another one that is real. So let me see if you Google it. Hold on. I think if you just do a G jeans stands for, yeah, you'll find that Andriano A-G? gold. Okay. Yeah. Adrian. I think they're Italian, but they're made here in, the US in LA, I want to say. Um, and there's another brand that is called Chris got me them. I'll have to look at the tag. Is it swerve? No. They're people, they're stre- they're a little stretchy. Yeah, people were recommending swerve, which has a little stretch. But yeah, stretch jeans are money. Yeah. And then I think European pants are, are the the bomb. They're just super high quality. I have a pair that I bought in Belgium, I want to say, years ago. that are still kicking. I bought a pair of jeans from them that are called – I have to look those up. We're going to have to do a follow-up on clothes. We're going to have to do a clothing, off-the-bike clothing edition. But yeah, I've tried like Rafa pants before. No, they yeah. tried to be Euro. Not happening. Those actually – those Rafa pants might have been tight quads. And I was like, wow, you guys are a cycling company. Why are these so horrible? Um, but anyway, oh, man, I got this. I don't want to. Mm, I can't spoil the surprise. I'll talk to you about this one on the next one, but it's clothing and it's everything is so cheap here. I didn't really go crazy, but I found some really cool shirts that are very much like Rafa. And I was like, this is going to be $45. <laughs> it was 11 so I can't get into it though because it'll spoil a surprise for somebody. Um, anything else? I don't got anything else, dude. Now you, I, I gotta go do my Christmas shopping now. I'm 
I did my – well, Chris wanted – he's getting into pickleball. It's like, you know, everybody in the U.S. apparently. So my sister plays pickleball. My nephew plays pickleball. Chris is not playing pickleball, so we had to get him geared up. And I got in on some gifts from my sisters, from my parents, which is kind of like slacking, but they were they were. Thank you, kids. sisters. No, I do the same thing. Thank you, sisters. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I kind of like to do my own thing, and I have done more group stuff later lately, though, because I don't want to like anti-group it, but. It is nice. And I was like, man, I really love this X, Y, and Z that you got me years ago. And like, my friends have asked me who got me this. And I always think of you and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I should do that more often. So maybe I'll do a follow-up. Maybe I'll do like some January gifts for my parents. Okay. Yeah. Hey, take bringing this back to cycling. This is a gift that somebody got me that I'm going to re-gift is, I think other companies do this, but Ridge Supply, the sock company, I don't know if they're out of North Carolina, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um they do a, you can buy a monthly membership and they'll send you for like, you can do like three months and they'll send the person like three, a oh, we'll pair of sock every month. That's cool. I think it's like a super, like a dope yeah. gift. And you're going to re-gift it. I'm definitely going to re-gift it. Yeah. Everybody loves socks. Meaning someone gave it to you and you're going to send it to somebody else. No, 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 no. I'm going to buy the subscription for somebody. See, that's not what re-gifting is. Re-gifting okay, is okay, I okay. buy it for you. And you're like, oh, Brennan, lame gift. Hey, Alex, I got you this gift. And you send it to him. So I was like, wow, this is quite bold that you are announcing that you no, are No, bro, no. So whoever bought Josh the socks, he hates them. He's sending them off to somebody else. Whoever gets the socks from Josh, you rate as a re-gift. So you're a dick and a douche all in one. <laughs> Can we say that on bike radio? Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> okay. Keep the comments coming. All of Josh's friends are like, Brendan is still such a jerk. No, those those are the friends who are going to be getting the socks, and they're going to be like, "Wait, Josh regifted these." <laughs> they're like, "Wait, Brendan was right. He is a dick." <laughs> oh man, it all comes full circle. I okay, dude, go go do your stuff. I gotta go. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... starving, so all uh, right. Safe what travels. What I don't know eat? what I'm going to eat. We got probably rice of some kind, rice with something. I don't know what. I got is. rice, so I treated myself since I got a top ten today. I was like, I'm gonna get some papas fritas, and I was like, and I just want white rice. And the guy's like, Do you want soup? And I was like, No, he's like, Do you want chicken? And he's like. So wait, white rice and potatoes. And I want to be like, dude, I'm trying to keep it like safe before I go on this long flight home. So I'm not pooping myself and $1.50. It was awesome. Nice. Enjoy. See you, man. Bye-bye. Bye.